Imagine a man, dear listeners, resisting the advent of a new technology because of its intimate connection with his own personal demons. This is Jones and Wolf, a monthly audio fiction podcast featuring original music. This month, our story, Static, follows such a man, a television collector, in a future where televisions no longer exist. Enjoy. The first time I saw her was in an antique store in the Ginza district. I was looking for a television set there. I'd already been to seven or eight stores that night and hadn't had any luck. That's the way it is these days. Televisions are almost impossible to come by. I should know. I have ten of my own and it's taken me over six years to get them. So I wasn't expecting much when I walked into the antique shop. More than anything, I was just killing time before sake went on sale for half price at the bars downtown, which is one reason why I was so surprised when I saw her. The other reason was that her face was on a television screen, and as far as I knew, there haven't been images on televisions for the last 15 years. There weren't any signals for TVs to receive. That's what I thought at least. But here was this girl on an old model Panasonic just floating in the middle of the screen. There was an odd green tint to her color, and it looked like she might be underwater. I couldn't tell. Everything around her was a little blurry, and I didn't have my glasses. I squinted at her. For a moment, it seemed like she was looking back at me. How strange, I thought to myself. I heard a bell clink, and the owner of the shop came to the counter. He was a small, balding man with black spectacles and a cigarette hanging out the corner of his mouth. He had a steaming bowl of noodles in his hands. Ah, he said, the Panasonic. It's a nice set. Are you a collector? I nodded. That one just came over. A man sold it to me from Thailand. Are there a lot of TVs in Thailand these days? There aren't a lot of TVs anywhere. This is the first set I've seen in a long time. No one cares about these things. Everyone has the implants. Do you? No, no, I'm too old for virtual reality. My mind wouldn't take to it. I looked back at the television. The girl was waving her hand now. I smiled. It seemed like she was inviting me to come join her behind the screen. You've got to tell me, how are you getting this image? I thought TV signals didn't exist anymore. They don't. Then where is this girl coming from? The old man set his bowl of noodles down on the counter, took a drag off his cigarette, and looked at me with a raised eyebrow. What girl? Her, I said, gesturing toward the screen. But by the time I turned back around and looked at the Panasonic... She was gone. Have you decided yet? That's what my ex-wife, Nico, used to ask me. In the month preceding our divorce, it seemed like I had to answer that question every day. She wanted to know constantly if I was going to get the extra training to become a neuroelectrician. And every day, I told her the same thing. I'm not sure. It only takes a year. Nico used to say, 
couldn't imagine. After that, you'll be able to customize ocular implants. You'll be the author of people's electric fantasies. Right, I would say. Right. But the thought didn't appeal to me. I liked working on external electronics just fine. Machines made sense. The idea of going inside someone's mind and playing with their neurons like copper wires made me uneasy. I didn't trust electric fantasies. I didn't think they were good for the brain. I used to explain that to my wife, but she didn't want to hear it. This is the future, she would say. This is what people want. I guess she would have known. Toward the end of our relationship, Nico was spending six or seven hours a day in virtual reality. She couldn't understand why I refused to join her. I don't think she ever forgave me for it. Of course, me not getting the implants wasn't the only reason why we got divorced. It was an accumulation of a lot of things. Like all the affairs she was having. I rode the train back to my apartment in the Shinjuku district with the Panasonic on my lap. I decided to skip the sake. I didn't feel like drinking anymore. I wanted to get home so I could open the television monitor and see what was different about it from the others. I wanted to know where that image of the girl had come from. I hugged the TV to my chest and looked out the window at the neon lights of the city. Nico was out there, somewhere. I knew that. I tried not to think about her, but it was hard not to let my mind wander to the days before ocular implants had altered the course of our relationship, when I used to look deep inside her irises and see only my reflection there staring back at me. A kid in a black trench coat came walking in from another train car. He was dripping wet, covered in tattoos. Most of them were crudely done and looked blurry on his skin. He paused by a guy in a suit sitting a few rows ahead of me and tapped him on the shoulder. The guy's head was tilted to the side and even though his eyes were wide open, he didn't seem to be awake. The kid waved his hand in front of the guy's face a few times and then slapped him gently on the cheek and there was nothing, no response at all. Yeah, I thought to myself, electric fantasy. It was always a bad idea to enter virtual reality in a public place. There were plenty of warnings about it, but that didn't stop people from doing it, especially the ones who were addicted. His mind could have been anywhere at that moment. He could have been scuba diving with the president or fucking the Queen of England. The kid stole a quick look at me and then started going through the guy's pockets. We made eye contact again while he fished out his wallet and took his keys. I wondered if I should say something, and then I thought, forget it. People who were strung out on electric fantasy got what they deserved. I got back to my apartment a little after two o'clock in the morning. The first thing I did was turn on all my television sets in the living room. I liked having them on. There was nothing on the screens, of course, but I liked the feeling of being surrounded by electricity. It made me feel like there was something other than just me in the room. I sat down in my recliner, sipped a glass of whiskey, and reached for my screwdriver. 
My plan was to open the back panel on the Panasonic and see what was going on inside. Before I could get started though, I saw something flicker in the corner of my eye. And there she was again. This time she flashed on my 15-inch Toshiba in the corner. I put down the Panasonic and walked toward her. I could see her much clearer now that I had my glasses. She was smiling again, and she was very beautiful. Once I got close enough to touch her, she disappeared. I looked at the Toshiba and blinked. The screen was blank. And then suddenly, I saw her on the other side of the living room, in the Mitsubishi I had near the hall. I walked over, and once I did, she jumped to another screen, and then another. Before long, she was bouncing all over the room, from TV to TV, and she was laughing the entire time. She was playing with me, and I was so caught up in what was happening that I didn't realize until later, the Mitsubishi was the one TV I hadn't plugged in. The next day at work, all I could do was think about her. Where'd she come from? From ancient TV signals? I didn't know. It was hard for me to focus. My boss must have gotten sick of seeing me stumble around the office, so he sent me to an accounting firm to fix a digital vending machine in their corporate cafeteria. Once I got there, it was a pretty typical scene. Most of the employees had their heads tilted to one side and were staring vacantly into space. Occasionally, one of them burst into laughter, but other than that, everyone was silent and unaware of what was going on around them. It's like that at a lot of companies these days. Most people skip lunch and use their break to go on electric fantasy. I know Nico did. That was probably the ideal time for her to have one of her affairs. Of course, she never saw them as affairs. They happened in virtual reality, she said once I found out. They're not real. But I disagreed. You made a decision, I told her. You chose the kind of fantasy you wanted to have. That's real. Anytime you make a decision like that, the consequences are real. We argued about it for hours, and the whole time, Nico just shook her head. You don't get it, she said over and over. You don't have the implants. You don't know what it's like. You don't know how wonderful it is. There's no way you can understand until you experience it for yourself. I didn't last long at the corporate cafeteria. The sight of all those people in virtual reality made me sick. I left the vending machine broke. I didn't care what my boss said. I decided to take the rest of the day off and head to the sake bars downtown. It was early, but I got good and drunk. I put some blues on the jukebox and then I flagged down the bartender. The sun was starting to set and there was something I wanted to ask him. Hey, I said. Tell me, do you believe in ghosts? The bartender gave me a funny look. What? He said. Ghosts. Spirits. The supernatural. 
The bartender poured me another glass of sake and then glanced over at the only other person in the bar. A middle-aged woman, clearly on electric fantasy, with her head tilted back and her eyes wide open, muttering to herself in bits of French. Well, he said, shaking his head, I guess anything is possible these days. When I got back to my apartment, I had an idea. I stumbled into the living room and started to stack my televisions on top of each other. I was drunk, so it took me a long time. Finally, I got them the way I wanted. When I was done, the stack of TVs was about a foot taller than me. I stood back and admired my work. I put the Panasonic at the very top. After that, it only took about an hour for her to show up. And this time, it wasn't just her face, but her entire body spread out across the TV screens. Her clothes were drifting and floating in the space beyond. She smiled and put her hand against one of the screens. I walked close and put my hand against hers from the other side of the monitor. My fingers were tingling. I could feel the electricity between us. With her other hand, she beckoned for me to come join her on the other side. Soon, I told her, soon. What do you think? Was the girl real, or simply a projection of the narrator's subconscious? Or are those two things one and the same? Static was written and narrated by me, Anthony Jones. The music and sound design were done by Joel Wolfe. We'll be back next month with another story. Until then, my friends, thanks for listening.